All right. Well, good morning, 1030. How are you guys doing? Good to see you. I'm pumped up today for several reasons. First off, this is Mother's Day, so can we just give a shout out to all the moms and just let them know we love them. I'm also really pumped up because today we're starting this brand new series called Adam and Eve, where we're going to be looking at the challenges faced by women and men and hopefully learn to love each other better. And see, there are certain topics that I just think it's worth, you know, repeating and and mentioning um, throughout the year, year after year. There are just some things we need to focus on because they're critical. A couple times a year, if you, if you, you know, are regularly attending here, you know we're going to probably talk about the mission and vision of the church, and we're going to talk about our core values as a church because that keeps us from drifting. It keeps the church heading in the right direction. Every year, we're probably going to do a series on family and kids because whether you have children or not, they're the future of the church, and so we should definitely prioritize and mentor our children and students so that we can leave a legacy of faith in the generation to come. The next pastor, student pastor, worship leader for for our church, you know, might be down the hall at Lighthouse Kids or or coming right now on Sunday nights to fuse our student ministry. And likewise, probably every year, we're going to do some topics on men and women because last I checked, that is all of us. So if you have your Bible with you or your Bible app and you just like kind of being ahead of the game a little bit, we're going to eventually wind up in Psalm 139 today. So you can go ahead and find Psalm 139. But before we get there, I just want to acknowledge that it is difficult being a woman. Isn't it women? Now, women, I'm going to need your help today, and I'm going to need your help in this uh, series as well, so the men believe that I'm telling the truth. So anytime during this message, if you feel like shouting amen, women, you have permission to do so. Amen? All right, awesome. It is extremely difficult being a woman. Awesome. In fact, there are two critical things that every man has got to know about a woman, None of us know what those two things are, so if you figure it out, help a brother out, okay, because I'm dying to know. But this week, I put out two questions on social media. First off, I asked the men this question. I asked them to fill in the blank. I said, the thing I do not understand about women is. And I learned some interesting things putting this question out on social media. First of all, I learned that a lot of our men are chicken. Okay, because very few men (laughs) responded. In fact, more women responded to this question than the men. Although I had a lot of men who private messaged me. They like personally text messaged me or they, um, they, you know, they sent me just like a a private message on Facebook. And they're like, yeah, here's what I think about that question. But I'm not going to post that publicly because I value my life. That was the response from many of our men. And then I asked the women to answer this question. This was a question for the women. The hardest thing about being a woman is. And like 150 women responded to that question. Okay. You can look on Facebook. Some of the answers were pretty funny. Some were much more serious. Um, But here's what the guy said. These were some of the answers. I just kind of took some of the answers the guy said. The thing I do not understand about being a woman is why does she order a salad and then eat my fries? Why does she say it's fine when she's not? I'm fine when she's not. Why is she always cold? Why is going to the bathroom a group party? 
Why are there so many hair ties in my house? I wonder that question as well. Why decorative pillows? Someone will have to explain that to me later. Um, and why do I always have to pursue her? There are a lot of you know, private messages from guys saying, I feel like the romance in our relationship, I'm the one who's always pursuing, always chasing. Why is that the case? And then these were the responses from the women from their question. The hardest thing about being a woman is, um, there was a funny one, sitting down on an open toilet seat in the dark or a seat that's been peed on. Um, Amen, thank you. Uh, toxic uh, patriarchy or misogyny, discrimination, uh, feeling fear and worry about safety all the time, being negatively labeled for being assertive, you know, being called a name or something for having confidence or being assertive, uh, presumed incompetent by repairman, mechanics, car salesmen, etc. men not believing you know how to fix something, uh, feeling everything deeply. Hormones and emotions, meeting impossible expectations for work and family, the time and energy required to run and maintain a home, the time and energy required to raise children. And I, again, I showed you some of the funny ones. There are there other comments that were, that were even more serious, but, but here's what I got from it. The thing that men seem not to understand about women often had to do with feelings and emotions. And the thing women often found difficult about being a woman also often had to do with feelings and emotions. And I know that all men and women are different, that we all have individual differences, and I'm kind of guilty of overgeneralizing here, I get that. But can we just agree this morning that in general, women can show a little more emotion than men? That's kind of like saying the Pope is a little more Catholic than most Catholics, right? Women can show more emotion than men, and the range of emotions that a woman can experience, even through the course of a day, can be unbelievable. In fact, I found an example of this in a movie clip that I believe every woman here, when I show you this clip, you're going to be able to relate to. Um, this, this clip describes what women experience. And men, there is a guy in this clip too, and the expressions on his face are absolutely priceless because it's exactly the look on our face when, when we witness some of the same kind of stuff. And, and this scene takes place in, in one of my favorite um, Disney movies, Tangled. It's one of my top three uh, Disney films. It's right up there with Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast, which I like because I'm Indian and I'm hairy. Okay, I could, I could relate to the Beast and Chewbacca. I'm half Wookiee on my father's side. And um, here's the scene. Check it out. Check out Rapunzel here in Tangled. All right, let's just pray and go home, right? Because that's like, <laughs> that's basically it, right? Now, now, women, you've probably felt that way before. I mean, maybe that describes your day today. And men, you've probably stood there scratching your head thinking, I have no idea what's going on. Men don't understand women, and sometimes women have trouble understanding women. And while that emotional aspect 
I believe is an important part of your life. It is a beautiful part of your life. It is part of the unique creation that you are as a woman. Make no mistake about that. God perfectly designed you. God doesn't make mistakes. He perfectly designed you to be you. But I believe the danger occurs when we can allow the emotional to supersede the spiritual truths in our lives. You see, whether you're a Christian or not, we live in a culture that is constantly shoving propaganda on our women. And as a father of three incredible young women, this is really very concerning to me because when a woman buys into these lies from culture, it can create havoc in her mind and in her emotions. See, there's a very real enemy of Christ. He's called Satan, and he hates our guts. And he is coming after us on a consistent basis. And his main weapon, his weapon of mass destruction is lies. And so my goal in the first couple weeks of this series is to really focus in on our women and to point out some of the biggest lies that women believe and combat them with the truth of God. We're going to tackle a big lie today. And women, I believe that if we, if we shine a light on this lie and discover God's truth, that it is going to greatly help you in your walk with Christ. So here we go. Lie number one that many women fall into and believe, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. And man, this might apply to you as well. We're going to focus in on you a little bit later in this series, so be ready. But there are women here today, and when it comes to certain aspects in your life, you feel like you don't measure up, that you're not good enough. Now, we'll get into this story um, in much more detail throughout this series, the creation story, the story of Adam and Eve. But this week, I'm just going to kind of highlight a little bit of chapters one through three um, in the story of Adam and Eve. In Genesis 1, we hear the creation story, and we learn that God purposefully created human beings, that he created man and woman. In fact, the Bible specifically says this in Genesis 1, verse 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. The awesome thing about this passage of scripture is that it tells us that, that the, the fingerprint of God is in each of our lives. And I just think that's absolutely amazing. Each and every one of us have the fingerprint of God in us. And in Genesis chapter 2, we get then a much more detailed account of this creation story. As God creates everything and he starts to create, you know, he separates the light and the dark and he creates the oceans and the sky and, and the plants and all the trees and, and the animals. And time after time after time through this account of creation, every time God does something, he pauses and he says that it is good. He makes this, it is good. He makes this, it is good. And then, and then he creates the man. And he says for the first time that something is not good. He says that it is not good for the man to be alone. Single women, I think I've told you guys before, but I think this is a great way to introduce yourself to a guy you might like at church. You just roll up on him after service, and you're like, hey, pastor said it is not good for the man to be alone, and I thought of you, okay? That's all you got to do. It might work for you. But God sees a problem. He sees a problem with Adam being alone, and so he puts the man to sleep, and he creates woman. And she is a unique creation. The Bible says she is uniquely designed by her God. He custom designs Eve. And we don't know how long it took, but God created a masterpiece. And when he had finished, Eve's first relationship, don't miss this church, Eve's first relationship was not with Adam. 
Her first relationship was with her heavenly father, her creator. That was her first relationship. That is where her identity was found in her relationship with her heavenly father, with her God. And then only after that, God wakes up Adam and he introduces him to Eve. And then in Genesis 3, like, all craziness is let loose. The Bible says Satan is so upset about what's going on that as a serpent, he comes and he is the enemy of us people. He comes to Eve and he begins to work to deceive her. He says, did God really say you can't eat from the fruit of that tree? And here's what you need to understand. God had given Adam and Eve incredible freedom in the beginning. In fact, how many rules did Adam and Eve have? One. Can you imagine going through life with one rule? Like you could drive as fast as you wanted on the road, didn't have to worry about red lights. They had one rule. One rule, okay? And here's what, here's what Satan does. Here's his deception. He comes and he says, you know what, Eve, you're missing out on something. You don't measure up. You're not good enough. But if you take that fruit... It's going to give you something you're missing. And so Eve starts to have a conversation with this serpent, and they go back and forth, and all of a sudden, these insecurities start coming to light. And the serpent deceives her into thinking that there's something else that she's lacking. And she loses focus on who she is and what her identity is in God. And she instead begins to focus on what she is lacking, and she reaches for the forbidden fruit. And don't get me wrong, this is not a let's blame Eve story, because we're going to hear this later in this series. Adam was right there with her, and he is just as guilty. He knows the rule too, and he takes the fruit, and they both sin, and chaos enters the world. And this is where I believe, though, that the emotional took control over the spiritual. And she takes the fruit, and her and Adam eat it. The world has been jacked up ever since. Now, women, I know not many of you have had a conversation in your backyard with a snake recently. My wife did this week. She was doing some landscaping, and a snake uh, jumped out at her. Um, but it was a one-sided conversation that involved a lot of screaming, okay? But even if you've never encountered a talking snake... I just want you to know today, the enemy is after you. And I believe there are some big areas in your life where he attacks women with this lie that you're not good enough. So let's unpack some big areas where Satan attacks women with this enormous lie. Six areas where many women find their identity. Number one, if you're taking notes, is this, your appearance. Your appearance. Now, women, help me out with this one. I want you to amen if you believe this is true. It's not just about looking beautiful, it's about feeling beautiful. Yeah. A lot of men are like, what? I don't understand that. I, I, don't, I don't get that. See, see, men, many women are often their worst, own worst critic. And they struggle and they battle with self-esteem and with self-worth. That's why your wife or your girlfriend could look absolutely stunning, but thinks you're crazy when you tell her that. Because when she looks at herself, that's not what she sees. When she thinks about herself, that's not what she feels. Most men don't struggle with that the way that women do. Like I have never rolled up on another guy and his head was down and he was sobbing and I said, hey dude, what's up? And he looked up with big tears rolling down his face and he's like, man, I just don't feel pretty today. Like I've never had that experience, okay? In fact, with us guys, it's usually the opposite. I mean, we can look in a mirror, and, and this is what could be there, okay? But in our mind, 
guys, this is what we see, okay? That's what we see. Now, women, a lot of you, even today, I mean, you look beautiful. I look around the room today, and we have beautiful, beautiful women here at South Portland Church, but you don't feel beautiful because you fall into the lie and you believe the lie that I'm not good enough. Number two, your home, your home. Most men can be happy living anywhere. I, mean, I, I believe the reason we're no longer in caves is because women finally had enough and they're like, uh-uh, this ain't happening anymore. We need indoor plumbing and you need a shower, okay? But I've heard women say, my house is really an extension of me. Now, women, let me ask you another question. Does the housework ever get done? No. Again, some of the men are like, what? What, what, what are you talking about? Men, the answer is no, it never ends. Um, a few weeks ago, the washing machine broke in the Vias house, and it took us a little over a week to get a new one. And my wife, Julie, spent the next week, full week, doing laundry. I mean, we have five children. The laundry machine was running nonstop for a week. When she finally got through it, we sorted the clothes, we folded the clothes, we had all the kids kind of take piles into their rooms, and, and then she starts laughing, and I was thinking, what's going on? And she's like, I thought we were all done, and then I realized we've all been wearing clothes this week. See, the women laugh. The men, men are like, again, they don't get it. Uh, and I'm a man. I wanted to, to fix it, but I didn't know how to fix that. Like, I didn't know what we could do. Maybe we could have, like, Naked Wash Wednesday where we don't wear clothes that day and nobody answers the door. I don't, I don't know. Maybe that could work. But there are women here who probably can't fall asleep at night unless the dishes are done and the floors are scrubbed. And you think, if I just had that perfect house on Pinterest or, 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 or you know, if my home looked like, you know, an episode of The Crown, then I would feel better about myself. I'm just not good enough. But what you need to realize is the reason those houses look so good is because they're not real. The reason that kitchen looks so good is because nobody cooks there. They eat out, okay? The reason that living room looks perfect is because no one's allowed to live in that living room. Like if a small child with a Sharpie ran into that living room, they would be tased, okay? It's not, it, it's not real life, which leads to number three, your kids, your kids. Many women link their identity in an unhealthy way to their children, so if your child makes good grades or, or makes it on the team or, or makes a good decision in life, then you're a great mom. But if your child fails a class or gets cut from the team or makes a terrible choice in life, then you're a terrible mom and you're not good enough. See, we can easily fall into the trap of finding our identity in our children. And, and so when they struggle, we think, I'm a horrible, horrible parent. I'm a terrible mom. No, you're not. She's five. He's in middle school. They're teenagers. They're clinically insane until their brain fully develops, okay? And I also want to acknowledge that today's Mother's Day, which can be a hard day for a lot of women. Some of you, for whatever reason, you weren't able to have children, and it's a wound, and it hurts, and Satan attacks it again and again and again to make you feel like you're not good enough. And I just want you to know today that that is a lie from the very pit of hell. You are loved. You are called by God on purpose, with a purpose, and for a purpose in this life. Your identity is not based on your offspring. Number four, your relationships. 
Singles, we're going to be talking to you singles a bit in this series too. Some of you single women feel like the reason you're miserable is because you're single. And you think your singleness is a sickness that requires a cure. And the cure is to find somebody and get married. But here's the reality. For most of you, your singleness is not a sickness. In fact, I believe it's a gift. And we could probably line up Woman after woman after woman in front of you who would tell you, I thought a relationship was going to solve all of my problems and it was a lie because my life is more complicated now. Some of you single women think, I'm not getting anywhere with guys by trying to follow Jesus, so maybe if I lower my standards and I compromise my morals and my values, then maybe I'll find someone. You very well could, but that attention will come from what I like to call a crumb. Let me unpack that for you a little bit. My youngest, Lincoln, is a year and a half, and he's exploring a lot of different foods now. And it started reminding me of when all my kids were that age, uh, when my daughters were that age. I remember my youngest daughter, Cassidy, who's going to be 13 this summer. But when she was around that age, um, I remember feeding her like some banana bread at the table. And I thought she was done, and so I you know, took her out of the seat, and I, I put her on the floor, and I got a little distracted. And I turned around a couple minutes later, and I saw her on the floor trying to look for crumbs from the banana bread to be able to eat. And it broke my heart. I mean, I wanted, to, I wanted to swing open the fridge in front of her and show her all the amazing things that her dad had in store for her. Some of you women are settling for crumbs, but like the forbidden fruit, it will lead to disaster. God wants so much more for you. Some of you are like, Pastor, what if I married a crumb? We're going to talk about that in this series too, so hold on. Number five, your work. Your work. Some men get threatened by powerful women. I think if women were in charge of more stuff, the world might be a better place. Shortly after Julie and I got married, um, she got an administrative position at the University of Maryland. Um, she was a, a grad student, and she oversaw a multi-million dollar budget, which was absolutely insane for a 20-year-old. She also completed her master's degree in one year with a 4.0 GPA while having our first child, Liberty. I, meanwhile, was a part-time children's pastor, barely making anything. And a guy friend of mine was like, I don't know if I could handle being married to somebody who was making more money than me. And I was like, well, you take your broke butt to McDonald's because my sugar mom is taking me to Texas Roadhouse for dinner tonight, okay? <laughs> Women, if you have a career, I mean, praise God for that. Praise God for that. And if you choose to be a homemaker and, and be at home and raise the kids, praise God for that too because I know that is the hardest job on flipping planet Earth, okay? My mom was a homemaker and she raised us kids and I know how hard she worked and how much she had to do. It is the most underappreciated job on the planet. But many women find their identity in what they do. And so a bad day at work or a bad day at home where you don't complete all the tasks that you had on your list makes you feel like you're a failure and that you're not good enough. But the truth is there is no perfect home and there is no perfect work environment. Number six, your religion, your religion. Uh, th there is a myth in church that, that is a flat-out lie, and here's what it says, that godly women have to have it all together all the time. Godly women never stress, they never struggle, they never experience anxiety, their families are perfect, and there are some of you, and you feel that 
all of that pressure on your shoulders and you feel so defeated because you feel like you can never measure up to that standard of being a woman of God. But the belief that godly women have it all together is a complete lie. So here's what happens in church culture. Many women attend church when their lives are going okay, but as soon as the storm of life hits, as soon as the marriage is on the rocks, the kids are in rebellion, they're feeling anxious or depressed, they either stop attending church altogether or they come to church and just fake like everything is okay in their life in order to keep up appearances. But I'm here to tell you as your pastor this morning that you can be a woman of God and still be wrestling with some issues in your life. You can be a godly woman and still be facing a difficult time or a storm of life. That doesn't make you a failure and it doesn't make you wicked. It just makes you real. As we say all the time here, there are no perfect people at this church. So looking at that list of six things, I want to now try to describe every woman watching today in one word. And you might think, pastor, that is impossible. <laughs> there is no way you can do, we're too different, we're too diverse, we're too complicated. There's no way you can do that. I think I can come pretty close. Here's the word I would choose. Exhausted. Exhausted. And you know why? Look at that list. Let's bring it up again. Your appearance, your home, your kids, your relationships, your work, your religion. Women, you wear so many hats individual, daughter, wife, mother, and you're exhausted because some of you are trying to find your identity on that list. And don't miss this. There will probably never be a time in your life when everything on that list is perfect. That day is called heaven, which is why my prayer for every woman here is that you would maybe consider making a change, that you would maybe consider making a mental adjustment, and that you would change from finding your identity in your circumstances to finding your identity in a relationship with God through his son, Jesus. Because Jesus overcomes your circumstances every time, every time. So let's close today by looking at one big truth to combat this lie that I'm not good enough. And this powerful truth is one that my wife, Julie, and I, that we deeply desire for our daughters to grasp from early on so that they can combat the lies thrown at them by the enemy who is constantly attacking us. So here it is. Here's the big truth. In Christ, I'm priceless. In Christ, I'm priceless. Psalm 139, starting in verse 13, it says it like this. It says, for, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Women, listen up. You were custom designed by the creator of the universe. Some of you maybe grew up in a crappy home. And maybe you were made to feel worthless. Maybe you were even told you were an accident. No, miss, you were born on purpose, with a purpose, and for a purpose in this life. Why? Because the creator of the universe put you here. You are not an accident. You're priceless. And see how this passage in Psalm 139 ends. Last verse we'll look at today, verse 16. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. 
Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. Don't miss the power of this passage. God is all-powerful, okay? He's omnipotent. And God is also all-knowing. He's omniscient. Before you were even born, he knew every screw-up, every mistake, every bad decision you would ever make. And yet, yet, he still chose to make you. And not only that, he arranged for the payment of every sin through the blood of his son, Jesus. You are priceless to God. And the knowledge of that truth can be life-changing. But pastor, when I look in the mirror, I hate what I see. I mean, my house is a disaster. My kids are running wild. My relationships are a wreck. Work is so stressful. I don't even feel like going to church sometimes. I have a dark past. I don't feel like I'm ever gonna be good enough. In Christ, you are a daughter of the King of the universe. And the blood-stained cross of Jesus is the ultimate proof of your true value. See, daughters of God, if you allow the way you feel to always control your life, you're gonna look at that list and you're gonna fall in the trap. And you're gonna, you're gonna fall for the lie that you're not good enough. But if we allow the truth of God to open our eyes, no matter what's happening in your life, you will hold on to your true identity. And in Christ, you will stand strong, knowing that you are priceless to God and that you were created on purpose, with a purpose, and for a purpose in this life. Can we pray together, church? Let's pray. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Heavenly Father, I, I pray that in your grace and in your mercy that you would allow us to hear today so clearly and that on this Mother's Day that every woman and every man here today would receive the truth of your word that in Christ you're priceless, that you are sons and daughters of the King of the universe. Father God, I know that we're all different here. We have different backgrounds, different life situations. But God, wherever in life we may be feeling out of control, in whatever area in life we might be feeling like we don't measure up, like we're not good enough, whether it be our appearance, our home, our kids, our relationships, our work, our religion, my prayer is that today might be the day that we would be willing to take a next step and surrender that area over to Jesus. And so if that's you this morning, if there's an area of your life that you just know you need to hand over to God, that you want to escape from this lie that I'm not good enough, and you want to embrace the truth that in Christ you are priceless, that you want to take this area and you want to lay it at the feet of Jesus today. If that's you this morning, would you just lift up a hand and say, Pastor, that's me. Would you pray for me? I need to lay this down at the feet of Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Many people this morning, many people in first service as well. And I just want to say, first off, I, I'm just so thankful that I'm part of a church where people are willing to be real, where people are willing to be transparent. I love my church and I appreciate the courage that many of you just had to lift a hand. As we continue praying this morning, maybe you're here today and, and you know in your heart of hearts that you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. I, I don't think it's an accident you're here today. I don't think it's an accident you're a part of this service. And, and I believe maybe today, May 9th, 2021, Mother's Day, that today is the day 
that you're ready to, to surrender your life to Jesus. Because to him you're priceless. And in him you will be made brand new. So if today's your day, if today you would say, you know what? God, I'm ready. I'm ready to go in with you. God, I love you. Thanks for loving me first. I'd like to receive Jesus today as my Lord and Savior. Would you just have five seconds of incredible boldness? And would you just lift up your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I need Jesus in my life. Is there anyone here this morning? And you know you need Christ in your life. Again, I believe this is the greatest decision you can ever make in your entire life. Is there anyone here and you need Christ? Praise God. Praise God. I see that. For the rest of us this morning, if, uh, if you're a follower of Christ and you, and you want to pray along for those who responded, I encourage you to do so and we could pray. Um, there's nothing magical about this, just a way to communicate with our, with our Heavenly Father to say, Dear God, thank you for loving me. Thanks for meeting me right where I'm at. God, I'm not perfect. I know I have areas to work on in my life. I, I know I'm, I'm a sinner in need of a savior. But today, God, I want to move my faith off of myself and what I've done. I want to move my faith off of all of those other things that sometimes I place it on. Appearance, home, kids, relationships, work, even religion. And I want to transfer my faith onto my savior, Jesus, and what he's done for me. I believe Jesus died on the cross for all of my sins and I believe he is the son of God that he rose again. And I want to turn my life and start walking in a personal love relationship with you, God, for the rest of my life and into eternity. God, help me to do that step by step, day by day. Thank you for loving me first. I love you, God. Today, I give you my life. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Can we celebrate decisions being made this morning, church? Praise God. Praise God. Let's stand and continue to celebrate, sing together.
Heavenly Father, I pray blessings upon these, your people today on this, this beautiful Mother's Day, Lord God. Give us, give us the wisdom to know what to do with what we've heard today, Father God. This idea that, that we, can, we can combat these lies from the enemy that, that constantly attacks us and tells us that we are not good enough, that we don't measure up, Father God, and we can replace them with the truth of your word that in Christ we are priceless. So give us the wisdom to know what to do with that and then the courage to actually take a next step, to take action. Maybe it's changing some of our mental models and the way that we think. Maybe it's writing down that passage of, of scripture from the Psalms so that we can repeat it to ourselves and remind us when, when those negative thoughts come into our mind. Maybe it's shifting our focus on an area where we're wrongly kind of basing our identity and instead to place our identity in you, God, to take those areas that we struggle with and to be able to lay them at the feet of our Savior, Jesus so that we can step into the greater story, the greater plans that you have for our lives and for our future. God, we love you. Thank you for being a God who reminds us that in Christ we are priceless, that we were created on purpose, with a purpose, and for a purpose in this life. God, we love you, and we give you all the honor and glory and praise today. We, we pray these things in the precious name of your Son, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. I hope you have a wonderful Mother's Day and a great week ahead. Can't wait to see you next week as we continue in part two of Adam and Eve. And as you exit from the right doors over there, for all of our wonderful women, please make sure that you grab some of the gifts that we have for you waiting in the lobby. God bless.